Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Toure. And Derek Wong. So this week we are doing a, I guess, pretty chill episode, I would say. We will be going over the results of our summer box office wager, or should I say, debacle. (laughs) The first time we've ever done this, and... We all did quite poorly. (laughs) First and last. (laughs) First and last? Great idea, Derek, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) That's the reason we should keep doing it. We got to get better at it. All right, all right, all right. Okay, okay. We got to get better. Yes, we got to get good. I like that. Yeah, got to get good with a G-I-T. Yeah, all right. I would do it again. But yeah, as we've been updating you guys week by week, we are not naturals at this. (laughs) It's a good thing there was no money involved. I don't know. I tried to ask if we were actually going to wager anything, but we never decided. So I guess it's too late now. <laughs> we should won. have because yeah. I won. So um. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Thanks for giving it away, Amir. No, we not. definitely should have wagered something. Yes. Amir did win this summer's wager. Oh, wait, wait. Hold on. Is the summer over? Are we done? Yes. Is technically, we yeah, count the tallies Day, right? up until the weekend of Labor Day, and that oh. just happened this weekend. So Perfect timing. Whatever the numbers were by Tuesday morning, that was it. Even though I know some of these movies are still probably making money, it doesn't count. The game ended. The numbers have been tallied. This game ended almost a month ago, let's be honest, Um, (laughs) because the way the numbers were going, it just was not in me and Jeff's favor. Jeff, I'm going to be very positive about this. Very strong showing of (laughs) uh, 29 points. I had 35 points, and Amir had a grand total of 40 points. So it sounds like there's like a lot of points in between, but honestly, it really isn't. Um, No, not at all. Very little difference between these lists, really. One movie moves up a position, it means someone could lose like two, three points at a time while somebody else gains another two, three points at a time. So it really is, I think, a matter of we all made decisions and really it was only like one or two movies that really made the difference, I think. Listen, I swung for the fences. (laughs) So I could have hit it big or I lost big. So I think I lost big here. I also lost big. I think it was our number three's choices that did kind of yeah, do us in a little bit. Be what? Jeff had Mission Impossible at number three. I had The Flash. The Flash didn't even make the list, so I got no points for that movie. Well, we all put The Flash, right? We all missed yes. on The Flash and Fast X. Yeah, so the top ten ended up being number one, Barbie, number two, Spider-Man, number three, Guardians, number four, Oppenheimer, number five, The Little Mermaid, number six, The Sound of Freedom. Uh, number seven, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Number eight, Mission Impossible. Number nine, Transformers Rise of the Beast. And number 10, Elemental. I think, Amir, your biggest success maybe was putting Elemental on your list. Um, in my opinion, honestly, because you got five points yeah, for it. Yeah. And it's one of the movies that neither me or Jeff even really considered, right? That's I had it true. on my Dark Horse. I only got one point from it, but. I mean, you had The Flash and Fact Sex. We all had those movies that we all missed on them, but Jeff also missed on The Meg 2, and then I missed other movies just in different positions that really like cost me a lot of points. Can you recap the point system? How it works is that you know we have to pick our positions from 1 to 10. Now, if you hit any movie dead on, it's 10 points. If a movie is one slot either higher or lower than where you put it, you got 7 points. 
And if it's two slots away, it's five points. And then if it's anywhere on your list, it's three points. And then the biggest swings are actually the first and 10th. If you hit those dead on, you get a total of 13 points for that spot. None of us hit that one. I got pretty close. I got actually really close to hitting one of them, but it ultimately did not end up in my favor. And then we also had a list of dark horses. We had three dark horses. If any of those ended up on the list, you got one point for each of those. If I recall correctly, most of us had some semblance of the top 10, or at least most of them, right? We were pretty good, just not in the positioning of the movies. We all missed Sound of Freedom, right? Okay, so I feel like we gotta put a little caveat on that, because we gotta include 11 in this top 10. (laughs) Sound of Freedom does not count. That is an astroturfed <laughs> fucking movie that no one actually went to. So, okay, can you explain this, Jeff? So, if you don't know, Sound of Freedom is the QAnon movie where right-wing grifters had this pay it forward campaign and paid for other people to go to the theater. And what happened is that they paid for the tickets, so it counted towards the box office like a bunch of rich donors bought these tickets, but the showings in the theaters ended up being empty. So a lot of people did like an experiment. They were like, oh, the Sound of Freedom 3 o'clock showing is sold out. Let's go see how many people are actually there. And it turned out to be that there was no one actually there. So this is a grift. I feel like that doesn't count. (laughs) It doesn't count your soul, but when it comes to the box office, it still counts, man. (laughs) Like somebody bought these tickets. and And if you don't know, it wasn't just people like sharing on social media. From my understanding, it's like when you went to go watch the movie, at the end of the movie, Jim Caviezel comes on screen, post credit thing, and tells you like, hey, you bought this ticket, now buy another one for somebody else. That's how they did it. That's part of the grift that Jeff is mentioning, right? But that only would have worked if someone had actually been in theaters to see the movie and pay it forward, right? <laughs> Yes. So it's a bad grift if that's how it worked, right? Like either it's a grift. Something worked, man. It wasn't even number 10. It's number six. It's like no, dead yeah, in the it middle. Very, it's very, very well. It's Part crazy. of what I'm saying is that someone must have seen this thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Like maybe the journalists who were like checking this out were, I don't know, at woke movie theaters uh, where only coastal elites go to movies because, I don't know, <laughs> someone had to see this thing, right? <laughs> Am I wrong? No? No, I, I can't. I can't argue. Maybe nobody saw it. I do know people who've seen it. There you go. It's not a movie about QAnon, right? No, no it's no, a no, movie no. that they fund. It's a movie about like child trafficking. From my understanding, it's kind of like Taken or whatever, right? I mean, it's not his daughter, but it's like someone who gets taken and then he goes to rescue them and it's about child trafficking. And it's just a pretty straightforward movie. It doesn't have like a QAnon message. But it is now been kind of known as the QAnon movie because of the way it was funded and the way now, like I said, the marketing and the gimmicks that they kind of threw at this to get the box office up. Basically, Jim Caviezel's a huge Q head, so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he is. No, I just like that term. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we need to get into it. Yeah. We probably should talk about maybe the two biggest surprises of this summer. And I'm talking about, you know, we've already talked about it. Barbenheimer, right? Barbie at number one with 612 by Labor Day weekend, and then Oppenheimer with 310. And this is just domestically, right? But I think Mm -hmm. Barbie has definitely made over a billion. I think Oppenheimer is pretty close to a billion worldwide. That's amazing for both these movies, especially, you know, all of us were kind of like thinking these movies were going to be what bottom half of our list. 
Jeff had Barbie the highest. I had Oppenheimer the highest, but I had it's them in still, nine yeah. and ten, respectively. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in the wrong order. <laughs> <laughs> also, the gap between Barbie and the next biggest movie. Barbie made six hundred twelve million domestically. The next biggest was Spider Man at three eighty one. It's more than a two hundred million dollar gap. Two hundred million dollars alone is enough to get you on get this list. On the list, yeah. At number like six, you'd bump out Sound of Freedom. So. Barbie did just absolutely incredibly. You know, I hope Greta Gerwig's getting a little percentage of that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They really, really just blew her expectations away. I don't know. I think just looking at her previous movies, I don't know. I didn't see this coming. Like, No. No, I don't think anybody could have. I don't know. You see Lady Bird. You see Little Woman. You're not thinking, oh, this is a lady who's going to put out the biggest summer blockbuster (laughs) like ever or something and yeah it just crushed yeah you know we were talking about the campaigning and the marketing that was all social media it was all like tiktok it was all just like it could have been mobius right yeah based on the marketing you're like this doesn't mean people are going to show up it helped that it was good yes it did help that it was good (laughs) it very much helped it was good i would not have seen it if people were like oh it's bad i don't think i would have gone to see it yeah. But it was Greta Gerwig. It was always going to be good. I think the more shocking thing is not that it was good. I think the shocking thing is that it was insanely popular. Yeah. Yeah. As an adult Barbie movie. Like, it's not really even a Barbie movie for, for kids. For kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know you can Absolutely. bring your kids to this, but it's like it's a pretty adult movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is that it is an IP movie. So if one is going to blast one out of the park, I don't think anyone saw it coming. But it does kind of make sense that it was the Barbie movie. Because, like, everything else in the top ten almost is like that, too, right? Mm-hmm. But I think an even bigger surprise is Oppenheimer, which none of us saw it doing this well. I mean, it's close to a billion worldwide. Yeah. A three-hour... Absolutely insane. ...rated R movie. History movie? About political maneuverings and building an atomic bomb. A lot of talking. I saw a stat that this is the highest grossing movie for a movie that's never placed number one, right? At the box office. That's crazy, right? It's beat out seven, six other movies, and this movie never hit number one. You mm-hmm. know, Little Mermaid at one point was number one. Like, you know, Indiana Jones, uh, Mission Impossible, those hit number one at some point in the summer. So I think that is a really crazy stat to see like Oppenheimer doing so well and retaining and, and having the legs that it has, even though it went toe to toe with Barbie, right? Yeah. And the whole big thing was that they came out the same weekend and they have just both continued to succeed. And that's awesome. They didn't cannibalize each other's audiences. Somehow everybody saw both of them. Yeah. On the same weekend, some people, like me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the Barbenheimer phenomenon itself is the thing in the way of Oppenheimer reaching number one, ironically, right? Because coming out on the same day as Barbie, you know, it's never going to outdo Barbie, especially with the numbers that it's pulling, right? But I think that's kind of funny. But it's also kind of a cascade effect, because having those two movies do so well kind of killed my number three pick for Mission Impossible. Because that had one of the worst timings for a movie release to come out right before Barbenheimer, the week before. Losing the IMAX screens, and then for this phenomenon to just, just take off and everybody go see those two movies and leave Mission Impossible in the dust. Which still did well. The movie did well. But 
everyone just kind of forgot about it once Barbie and Oppenheimer came out. Which is kind of a shame, because I had a blast at Mission Impossible. It was good. I liked yeah, it. Yeah, it was fun. And, you know, people are talking about, oh, how it lost so much money, and they're surprised that they're going to do an actual part two. But if you don't realize, Mission Impossible had one of the biggest COVID delays during the pandemic. And the reason that the budget ballooned to its size and why it almost lost money is because Tom Cruise paid everyone's salaries, well, his production company paid everyone's salaries for seven months without shooting a thing. So that's insane. That's part of the reason why the budget is so huge and why it didn't make as much money as you would think. Uh, I think a lot of people forget about that. That's really cool, actually. It's good they did that. So I was just going to say, so we missed on Barbenheimer. The other misses were Jeff and I didn't have Transformers on our list. I had it in my Dark Horses, but you actually had it on your list. You did hit that one. Yes. Uh, So you hit that and missed Elemental. Yes. And then Jeff missed both. Someone should hit rewind and play me going, it's going to be a giant bomb. Yes. (laughs) Because I did say that. I did think that Transformer was going to bomb. Dude, it just stank of bomb. I just thought it was going to bomb. Yeah, it had that feeling. I guess I didn't go far enough. I had the inkling that I didn't think Fast X was going to do that well, right? Like I had it pretty low. I had it number nine. I didn't realize it was going to be so low that it would not even place. So what happened to Fast X? Because it made a $145 million domestic gross. It's like 11 or something, right? What got in its way is Sound of Freedom, right? Like <laughs> The Sound of Freedom came and took a spot, basically. And it would have been Fast X. Fast X would have been number 10. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. <laughs> Even so, I don't think we would have won anyway, Jeff. No, I don't think Jeff's so. Jeff's conspiracy theory is that QAnon has conspired to ruin our projection for the summer. <laughs> yeah. That's so Anti-family. <laughs> Um, how did the Flash do domestically? Ooh, in the end, not great. Uh, Flash ended up at one hundred eight, so that's actually okay. number twelve. That was behind Fast X, but that's still like almost a forty million dollar gap. But at the bottom of the list, that's pretty big. I'm surprised there was nothing between them with that large a gap. It's interesting. We got a, a big monster like Barbie with that six hundred. We got a couple like around the three hundred range, right? Three hundred to four hundred, and then the rest were you know sub two hundred. And the lowest being, you know, elemental on this list, which is 150. So what separates like 10 through 6 was just $30 million. At any point, one could have made a little bit more than the other, and our list could have shifted a little bit more. And you never know. What's also surprising for me was, you know, we were all like, dude, Little Mermaid, absolutely. It's going to be number one. It's going to kill. It wasn't even close. It didn't even beat Guardians. It didn't beat Spider-Man. I'm sorry, but I'm so happy about that. Really? I'm so happy that the Disney remake train is leaving the station, ah, I think. so you're happy when the black Disney remake is <laughs> All right. I see how it is. Can't believe I've been on this podcast with you for years. I'm just finding out about your racism now. I'm race blind, man. I want all of these to fail. They're bankrupt. They're bad. They're creatively bankrupt. I haven't seen a single one of these, and I'm not going to, but I do think it's notable. This is the first one to really, I don't know if it's racism, I don't know if it's like a an anti-woke backlash, I don't know what exactly, if it's something. Is The Little Mermaid appreciably worse than any of the other one of these remakes? I actually think it's one of the better ones, probably, because yeah, so... Halle Bailey is actually getting pretty rave reviews for her performance, mm-hmm. and then someone on Twitter was like, they posted a clip from... The Lion King remake, they're like, I'm making the case that 
The Lion King is literally the worst movie ever made. Like, the remake, you know? Oh, wow. Um, and I got a bunch of likes, so I think, you know, the sentiment is definitely against these Disney remakes. And I don't know, I just feel like the tide is turning, and then it just unfortunately caught The Little Mermaid. I mean, five for the top ten is nothing to sneeze at. It's not like it tanked or anything. It just yeah. wasn't as popular as we thought. And it beat a couple of those remakes. Like, it beat Cinderella, Dumbo, Maleficent, Alice. Yeah. Through the Looking Glass. It beat a bunch of these kind of lower-tier ones. Um, It just didn't blow up the way, like, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Alice in Wonderland did. What's surprising is that, like, Maleficent, Dumbo, and, like, some other ones, they're kind of lower-tier Disney. But, like, I feel like The Little Mermaid is... It is. I don't know, Trinity or something. Yeah, it should know? be up there with, like, The Lion King. Beauty the Lion Beast. King, yeah, yeah. Like, Alice Absolutely. in Wonderland's the one that feels a little off there. Like, that feels like it should be where The Little Mermaid is, right? Alice in Wonderland is a different era, too, right? You're talking about the Tim That's Burton true. ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, That was before... Yeah, it was one of the earliest ones, right? Yeah, that was before they actually started the whole remake train, you know? Um, and I think they were still trying to do something a little different rather than, like, shot-for-shot kind of remakes or just, like, retreading the same story. But I also wanted to go back and talk about Elemental a little bit because what happened was we started our box office game a little late, so we had a head start on some of the movies that were on the list. So Elemental came out June 16th, and it didn't do so hot. So I was like, okay, this movie's not going to do well. So I didn't even put it on the top 10, but that's secret legs and stealth legs, you know? Yeah, it was like the little engine that kept going. Yeah, it legged up and the word of mouth spread and people actually went to see it. So you never know. (laughs) You never know with these things. Did you see Elemental? Yeah, I saw Elemental. Okay. It was okay. Anyone see Transformers? I did. Oh, you did? Okay, you went and repped for your pick on the list. You put it on your list, gotta go see it in theaters. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's not true number one but uh no i mean i look i have this weird soft spot like the, one of my favorite cartoons when i was growing up was the beast wars series oh yeah it was great i have this weird soft spot for so i was like all right if they're gonna bring in the beast i guess i'll check it out D- it didn't relate to that at all but i mean i'll admit i actually had a lot of fun with the movie and i still think it's actually one of the better transformers movies to come out since maybe like number one i'm weirdly excited to see if this thing keeps going because mm. i do think it has a pretty cool setup at the end of the movie which i won't spoil mm. <laughs> <laughs> if right. you haven't seen it already but yeah i'm pleasantly surprised you know i think uh spider-man did much better than any of us really predicted which is great i love that movie from this summer too guardians is around where yeah guardians is kind of it. yeah around we, we, we should have known spider-man was going to do well though people fucking love spider-man and and the series does seem to deliver, at least in the last few years. Audiences don't seem to be burned out on Spider-Man the way they are on a lot of these mm-hmm. other big comic book projects. Like, you go to a Spider-Man movie and the theater is still packed. And there's just, like, every screen is showing Spider-Man. And people just can't get enough. So, we should have realized that, oh, yeah, this is going to be enormous. It should have... I think this one should have gone a little higher on our lists. Yeah. I think the thing is that we didn't know if it was going to out hype the original 
Because what did the original do, box office-wise? Nothing close. Nothing close to this. Yeah, this outdid it by far. Uh, original only domestically did 190. So this thing basically almost lapped it, right? It basically doubled its gain domestically, and I would have never predicted it. I thought it might do better. Yeah, I thought it might do better, because, you know, nobody knew how good the movie was going to be before That's they saw the first yeah, one. Yeah. But now everyone was like, oh, Into the Spider-Verse was amazing. So across the Spider-Verse, we're extra hyped on it now. So that kind of makes sense. But I didn't know it would, like, lap it, like, double yeah. the box office take on that. Um, yeah. Which, which is great. I did. Yeah. Yeah, which is great for that story. Why did Fast X bomb? I feel like we missed talking about that. I mean, I was the one yeah, who was like, like, I'm it. the yeah, biggest fan of like Fast it. series. And I was like, I don't think this is very good. Yeah. Maybe Mission Impossible also suffers from this a little. But, like, it's a part one, right? And... It really hurt Fast X because I think it has a really bad ending because of it. And then word of mouth probably hurt it that way. But my opinion is also there's definitely some fatigue in this series, right? Like I think it kind of needs to be done. As much as I love, you know, like I rep it, I love it. But I, I do feel the need for it to maybe come to some kind of conclusion soon. All right. On our Fast X episode, both me and Amir said we liked Fast X. That doesn't mean that it's a good movie, okay? I don't think it's a good movie. We both enjoyed the movie, but it's a dumb fucking movie, all right? But I think it's more fatigue than the part one, part two trickery. Yeah. First of all, you can't be tricked by Mission Impossible because that movie fucking says part one in the title, right? It yeah. does, yeah. Which doesn't apply to Spider-Man or Fast X. X. Mm-hmm. Although I think Fast X might be the most egregious one with the part two. Or is this Spider-Man? Spider-Man was pretty bad with that too, which kind of makes the point moot because it opened at number two and Fast X didn't even place top ten. But I know a lot of people were pissed about the Spider-Man ending. The Spider-Man ending doesn't bother me. Like It actually gets me more excited. Like I want to see this story continue versus I remember being really actively frustrated at the end of Fast X because I was just like, that's it? Uh, this is not an ending. Like, this is, like, really not an ending. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the comparison is that Spider-Man, people were upset that it was a to-be-continued, but there was, like, a complete story within that movie where Fast X just chopped it in the middle of a scene. It's like, oh, yeah. see you next time. You know? <laughs> the other big miss was The Flash, which was bad and everybody hated and made no money. I mean, I understand it. I don't think the movie's very good. But at the same time, I thought the fact that Michael Keaton was in it, like you were seeing this alt universe that maybe people would be excited about it. But man, it really just, it fell. It fell really hard on its face. I think we were lied to by everybody who said they saw it and thought it was good. Good on the American public for not falling for that piece of propaganda and not going to go see that movie because that was just Horrible. Maybe that's why Mission Impossible failed too, because Tom Cruise was trying to rep that movie. Oh, a little anti-flash <laughs> yeah. backlash. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> the present movies did betray us on that one. He really did. Tears in my eyes as I shoot Stephen King and Tom Cruise. <laughs> <We're> spreading <laughs> propaganda. Yeah, Wesley Snipes memeing it. I, uh... Anything else specifically you guys want to talk about? Or, I mean, I guess my next question was just overall, what do you guys think of this summer? Uh, the summer of Barbenheimer, you know? I mean, both those movies are great. I think August was a little dry. Yeah, August was rough. I squeezed in a lot of horror movies in August, which I'm not regretting at all. I had a good time <laughs> with a lot of the horror movies. Last Voyage of the Demeter, The Meg 2. I did not see The Haunted Mansion. 
Insidious, The Red Door. I saw all those movies. I saw that little indie movie, Cobweb, with Anthony Starr and Lizzie Kaplan. Pretty decent summer for horror. Yeah, I mean, aside from Barbenheimer, like, August was dry. Even the movies I liked on this list, even the summer blockbusters on this list that I liked besides Barbie and Oppenheimer. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. I mean, I know it's still only September, and we've got all, like, the fall festival movies and stuff, and I'm just thinking towards the end of the year. Now we're, like, kind of through the summer, past Labor Day, we're cruising towards the end of the year. What is my top 10 of 2023 going to look like? I feel like I had more of my top 10 set last year by this time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, it feels like that was overall, maybe not a stronger summer because Barbenheimer was crazy, but a stronger year. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I don't remember exact dates, but it just felt like there was so much more that was already out by this time. From this top 10, I only think one of them's making my top 10 for the year. Is that Oppenheimer? Yeah, it's Oppenheimer. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the only one. I'm kind of taking a look at, like, 2022's list. Jesus Christ, Top Gun made a lot of money. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, looking back at last summer, you know, there was a lot of duds in that one too. And at least this one, you know, it gave me Barbie, it gave me Oppenheimer, it gave me Spider-Man. Really love these three movies. Mission Impossible was fun. I mean, I even liked The Last Guardian. The Guardian 2 was actually really, really good. I mean, last year, you know, I had Top Gun and then what, maybe Nope? Nope. RRR was, I mean, not even over the summer, but by the summer, we've already seen RRR, Prey, depending on how much you guys uh, like that one, Elvis, Crimes of the Future, The Northman. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to compare like summers to summers, right? Right. But I'm saying by this point in the year, not just Oh, by this point in the year. Like by this point in the year. Everything everywhere, right? That's true. Yeah. We already had everything everywhere. It feels like 2022 was like in retrospect like up through this point a stronger year yeah Mm -hmm. i mean this is a good way to segue into the next part of the episode just talking about things we're excited for 2023 feels very very back-end loaded and by 2023 you mean early 2024 no, 2023. There's so much shit coming out like next and it's week. It's not all getting bumped because of the strikes. Well, all right. Are we counting festival premieres or? Sure, sure, sure. Fine. Yeah. Uh, yes and no, because like you might be able to see him, Jeff, but I don't know if we, me and Amir will be able to, right? I'm looking at the rest of this year and I'm like, holy shit. Are we, you know, me and Amir going to be able to see anything? Is our things still, are things going to get delayed? Yeah, I was thinking the opposite of you, Jeff. I was thinking that the end of 2023 is going to be real dry because everything's going to get bumped to 2024. Mm. Uh, like, we don't know how long these strikes are going to keep going. We don't know how long things are going to get delayed. Like, I don't know. A lot of things I'm interested in actually have strike waivers. So they still might come out and they still might get promoted. But I think yeah. they're still coming out. So I know Neon and A24 have both gotten strike waivers where they can promote the movie because they actually have met the demands of the WGA and SAG-AFTRA. So things like the new Jonathan Glazer, the Zone of Interest, the Royal Hotel. I'm kind of excited about the new Miyazaki, which is definitely coming out. That's not beholden to American union rules, right? Poor Things? Poor Things is Searchlight. So I actually don't think anyone's allowed to be promoting that, although they are premiering at all the film festivals so it just did venice and everyone's raving about poor things and then it's gonna play at new york film festival too 
are normal people going to get to see this movie in 2023? I don't know yet. I have no idea. Right. So I don't think Yorgos Lanthimos or Emma Stone are promoting that. Okay, so a couple movies that I think we'll get to see, right? If, you know, Neon's got the green light, right? Ferrari, right? Ferrari. Yeah. Super pumped for that. Michael Mann. Is Netflix allowed to, like, still promote its stuff, right? Or release its no, stuff if it wants? I no, I don't think so. I mean, they can release it. They just can't promote it. Netflix is one of the main ones that <laughs> the unions are striking against, I feel. I guess, but the thing is, like, does Netflix really need to do, like, a star promotion run? You know, I don't think stuff? they do. So, like, yo, we still might get they, the they killer. Do. So, I don't think they actually care. Yeah, we might get the killer. We might get Maestro by this fall. I mean, we'll get Priscilla with A24. Yeah. Mm. Those are all uh, things I'm excited about. Yeah, I'm excited about all yeah, those things, too. So, of... like, I mean, at least, yeah, those things I'm definitely excited for. I'm definitely looking forward to. Yeah, my trepidation is just I don't know what's gonna get bumped and what's not but you guys are reassuring me a little bit that we're still gonna have a decent yeah i think those are all mostly coming out so yeah um, um what about killers of the flower moon i think that's an apple tv right yeah 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 so that might still come out it just makes me think about the movies that we were supposed to get and we're not getting anymore right i mean we had two zendaya movies that were supposed to come out that i was pretty excited about luca guaninino's challengers and then Denny Villeneuve's Dune, like both have mm-hmm. been delayed and they were supposed to be, you know, challenges was supposed to be very soon. This was come out very soon. Yeah. And then Dune in November, I was excited for both these movies and now, you know, they're not coming out anymore. Disney hasn't moved the Marvels. Hasn't moved the That's Marvels. Still coming out November 10th. I think DC hasn't moved <laughs> Aquaman yet, right? <laughs> not to speak as the loser of the box office rager, <laughs> but I think the Marvels is going to eat it. I'm yeah. not excited about seeing this movie, and I think not at all. And I think the first Captain Marvel movie already had its issues with people not loving it. But could it benefit from the lack of movies out there? There's not that few movies. Yeah, like not the movies that we've been talking about, right? But like big blockbuster general audience would you know wants to go to the theater see. It might not have much competition if everything keeps moving, right? I mean, it was supposed to kind of go not toe to toe but like it was supposed to come out around the same time as dune dune was going to take a lot of the imax screenings and now it's not and it's opened up for marvels to come in and take those imax screenings so it could be to its benefit but i don't know if disney's just going to cave because the strikes keep happening their stars are not going to be able to speak about it another thing is like everyone's trying to recreate the barbenheimer thing you can't do it man it's organic you can't manufacture that it's not something that you can just whip up out of thin air it's got to be you know grassroots people come up with it as a meme and then it takes off you can't force it everyone's trying to force i don't know saw and the paw patrol movie coming out at the same time so saw patrol (laughs) (laughs) that's what we're doing and then the (laughs) exorcist movie the new exorcist movies coming out with the taylor swift tour in cinemas so people are saying the exorcist I don't fucking know. Whatever. Oh, my God. Can't force it. Those are just movies that come out at the same time. You know, that's not a Barbenheimer-type phenomenon. You know, those two were uniquely positioned to capture different sections of the same quadrant where they didn't cannibalize each other, you know? Or, like, they're not too different. They're both adult movies. 
right? So, like, something like Saw and Paw Patrol, that doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're not going to take your kids to Saw. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no one's doing that double feature. <laughs> that would be kind of funny, but yeah, no, uh, you're not doing that. Honestly, completely agree with you, Jeff. I think we've seen it, and I don't know if we're ever going to see it again. Here's the summary of that. No one was doing Barbenheimer and doing the double feature, like, ironically, right? People were genuinely excited to go see both of these movies. Yeah. Like, the memes were not ironic. They're not irony-based. It's not like, oh, the gentle minions or whatever. You know, people, grown-ass adults wearing suits to go see the minions, like we said in that episode. Or Morbin time. Morbin time, you know? like Yeah. That's all fucking ironic, kind of poking fun at these movies, which Barbenheimer was not. Absolutely. And I think something like Barbenheimer just like felt good. These two movies that we didn't think were going to do as well as they did, and they're not superhero cape shit. You did say it, Jeff. I mean, Barbie is based off of an IP, but is it really like even an IP that people necessarily care about or like well i mean they care about it to the tune of more than 600 yeah. million yeah, yeah so yes but but it felt good just those two movies alone made the summer feel good but then like i said mm-hmm. like, you know we got spider-man which i thought was an awesome animated movie net positive for me net positive the good ones really outweigh the bad ones here and there aren't even that many bad ones in like the top 10 yeah no a lot of them were so. just kind of middling or forgettable even the disney remake is probably one of the better ones you know we're talking about the little mermaid oh yeah i wonder what the comparison to last year would have looked like because yeah i mean i've already made my argument but i I do think by this point of the year there were more movies that were kind of end of the year bests by this point Mm -hmm. of the year but looking at just the summer alone yeah i mean it's a pretty good summer you guys aren't wrong i think there was a lot of good this summer a lot of fun it's just that August has also been so dry that it's kind of hard to get yourself back in those July vibes, right? I mean, I'll have a report once I come back from TIFF next week. I'm going nice. to Toronto next week, so we'll be seeing a bunch of things. The new Miyazaki, like I said. The new Jonathan Glazer. The new Harmony Corrine, which everyone's saying is the biggest piece of shit of all time. Dude, I'm so hyped on that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when people hate something, and I just have to see for myself, you know? Yeah. Uh, this movie's entirely shot in infrared might give me the biggest headache in the world but i'm a big harmony corine apologist i love spring breakers maybe this will be good it's called agro drift yeah i mean i think you know you mentioned by now last year we had everything everywhere all at once that turned out to be the big awards like winner right contender for that year but i do think that barbie and oppenheimer are going to be vying for awards contention this year yeah no absolutely yeah 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 I think you guys know me. I think box office and award punditry is probably the stuff I care least about. <laughs> yes. Which is what I would say if I'd lost the box office game. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm just a sore loser. But because I've That's won, so I will funny. say box office is the thing that counts the most. And it's definitely what you should pay <laughs> attention to in film criticism. What you're saying is that next year we have to figure out an Oscars game, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. That would oh, be fun. Oh, God. But I was going to say, I was going to say, but this was fun. I liked doing this. Yes. It was fun. You it know? was a lot of fun. I liked checking in every week to say how badly we were doing. It's been a blast. I mean, if the listeners like this, let us know. You know, We'll do this again next year if you guys like this. But if we do do this again next year, 
I am looking forward to the wrong mistakes that we make based on what we think we know this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what were the point totals again? So Jeff, you were at 29, I was at 35, and Amir is at 40. Okay, what's max score if you hit every single one? Oh, geez. Uh, um, 104, 106. 106. Oh, it's 13. Oh, okay. with the dark yeah, yeah, horses. Yeah. yeah. With the dark well, horses. Well, no, technically, no, if no. you hit every one, you wouldn't hit a dark horse, right? Because you no, hit yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. you have two mm-hmm. 13s and eight 10s, right? Yeah, I thought it was 12, but it's 13. Yeah, so it's 106. So, That's... yeah, we didn't even make halfway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard, man. It's not an easy game. It's a fun game. It's definitely not an easy game. Um, like, even if we were, like, halfway accurate, we would be, like, 60 to 70. Yeah. But we were all sub-50. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. With very similar lists, right? Like, yeah, we had very oh, similar yeah. lists. Similar. We had very similar lists. So from the other podcasts you know that did this, uh, Derek, is it typical mm-hmm. that people do this badly? So those guys also have their scores online. The best of those guys did, uh, the person that won got 46. Oh, that's not different. And then yeah. the person that did the least was only 33. So, like, they're disparity in numbers was also not very big and like i mean in a similar range right yeah none of them hit barbie you know what i mean like nobody hit barbie let's be honest <laughs> yeah i think we covered this summer and what we're kind of looking forward to um this coming fall if there's nothing else i think that will conclude this week's episode jeff where can people find more of your work you can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com and you can also find me on twitter and instagram at strange harbors what about you guys you can find me sneaking onto the plane to join Jeff in Toronto. What about you, Derek? Who's going to polish your box office winning trophy? Uh, no, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I'm about to stay home. Uh, you can find me at The World's Okayest Photos on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our show is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of the other popular apps. If you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating really helps to get our voices out to more people. Yeah, if anybody questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on our box office results, feel free to shoot us an email at jeffatstrangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail, and sometimes we read it on the pod. So with that, we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.